Christmas is four short weeks away. Hope your shopping's on its way because this is the first Sunday of Advent and we're talking about the apocalypse, the second coming, the Adventus of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. His first coming was in the flesh at the Feast of the Nativity and we prepare for his second coming. So what better way to do that on the first Sunday of Advent and talk about the zombie apocalypse. What does that have to do with Jesus Christ? Let's find out. Come, oh, come Emmanuel. The apocalypse, it's a Christian word coming from the Greek language. Calypso means to hide or to conceal. And it, if you remember, if you've ever read the ancient poem from 2,500 years ago or longer, 2,800 years ago, the Odyssey, which is about Ulysses or Odysseus, is he in the Greek, coming back from the Trojan world and trying to return to his faithful wife Penelope. He ends up on the island of Calypso, this sea nymph, a divine creature who keeps him for seven long years as her boy toy. Calypso will not reveal to him how to get home until she is told by a messenger of the gods that she has to let Odysseus return. Well, that word Calypso, to hide or to conceal, is the base word for apocalypse. When you put like A in front of theism, you get atheism, not God. Apocalypso means not to hide or conceal, which means to reveal. And so, the Christian word, the Christian meaning of apocalypse is that something is revealed. Jesus came the first time to reveal what the meaning of history is so that we could have hope in the world to come, that we could trust this, this Son of God who ascended into heaven, that he told us the truth about what it means to be a human being. It provides this huge, holistic, sacred story that helps us make sense of the craziness of human life and the challenges that we have. And so, in Advent, we prepare for the first uh, apocalypse, that is, the unveiling of the Son of God uh, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. In Latin, it's Adventus, which means to come. And so we are preparing for the second Adventus or Apocalypso to be revealed about the second coming of Jesus. But you know, we live in an increasingly de-Christianized culture. But to say it's de-Christianized, all of our cultural stories are fundamentally Christian for the last 2,000 years. So although I think Americans sometimes think they're recreating culture from scratch, culture doesn't work that way. We all go into the future looking into the past. We understand everything today by all the things that we have endured and learned from in the past. And so, in modern culture, we have these Christian stories. What the apocalyptic culture does is turn them on their head. So in the modern meaning, of apocalypse. An apocalypse is this violent end of the world. Usually it's hopeless. Usually it's completely destructive. At best, all of culture is destroyed and all you have left is a couple human beings who are going to try to patch together 
the entire human project without any of the past helping. Because we can just make it up for ourselves. This is American culture. And so think about the prevalence of zombie stories now. Um, zombie stories have been with us since the 1920s, but almost half of all zombie stories have been made since the year 2000. Well over half of all zombie stories have been made uh, from the year 2000. The modern uh, uh, zombie story that we have really starts, according to film historians, with Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Radioactive contamination. Why? Because there's this Cold War going on. There's going to be a nuclear war, and all that's going to be left is, is zombies. And what do they want to do? Uh, they want to eat your brains. The Omega Band, 1971. And this time, it's biological warfare. But still, there's this underlying self-destruction of the human being. Uh, human beings, destroying human beings, creating them into the undead, living on the still living by what? You got it, eating their brains. Dawn of the Dead, um, it's the cause of the zombie outbreak is unknown. But there are human survivors. Maybe it's more hopeful. Cormac McCarthy's book in 2009, The Road, where there isn't any cause at all given for why people behave like zombies. But, you know, the Soviet Union had collapsed. The modern democracy thought it was now the dominant way of how the whole planet was going to look at self-governance. But in the road, people are still destroyed. The world is just gray ashes. Um, and it's, uh, there are barbarian armies marching everywhere. And what do they want to do? They want to eat the living. World War Z with uh, Brad Pitt from 2013. And then just look on TV, The Walking Dead and all of these other stories about zombies. You know, the biggest grossing zombie movie of all time was Zombieland with Woody Harrelson. If you ever saw that, um, if you ever saw that movie. Uh, so all the zombie stories, what do you do with them? Well, I'm going to talk about them in a little bit because I read a book about zombies that I thought was very interesting as a cultural metaphor for self-explanation of how it is that Western culture has lost any real shared sense of meaning. It doesn't mean that you and I don't have a sense of meaning and a sense of hope, but I think people are perceiving that the larger culture it's become kind of desperate, kind of hopeless. You know, there's truth, there's lies, and there's obfuscation, what normally we would just call bullshit. But I'm going to call obfuscation because this is a family podcast. Truth, you either have a thousand bucks in the bank or you don't. Lies, you have only a thousand dollars in the bank, but you tell people you have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. You know that you're deliberately misrepresenting uh, reality. But what happens with obfuscation, steaming, heaps of obfuscation? What happens when you quit caring about what the truth is or you become indifferent what the truth is? You just prefer the stories you make up for yourself because you think this is the place where real freedom comes from. You can make, make reality up for yourself. That's Planned Parenthood versus Casey. It's how they tried, are trying to save the secular culture, trying to save 
Roe versus Wade, which says every single human being can decide for themselves what the meaning of life is. You know what? Human beings do not give meaning to life. Either life has meaning or it doesn't have meaning. Truth and lies. If you're trying to say you can make up your own meaning, just call it obfuscation, a steaming heap of obfuscation. And what happens when you know you're just obfuscating yourself? This is the problem of America. You know, last week on Oral Valley Catholic, a must-listen-to episode, I talked about various theories of the meaning of history because it was trying to come up with this meaning of history. And I talked about uh, Marx, the idea of a dialectic materialism, that human, being, human beings are going to increasingly progressive, a better world. The problem with Marx's uh, theory, I pointed out, was the 20th century, with some of the most ruinous wars in human history. And then these ideal states, Nazism and communism, which were a hell on earth. Why? Because they wanted to make up their own meaning. Uh, this is why we have the Feast of Christ the King. You know, it's interesting, the reading from last week was from uh, John. This reading's from Luke, but it's really all about the same things. It's about the apocalypse, the Christian apocalypse. And so the Christian understanding of the meaning and purpose of history, that we go through wars and pestilence and we go through famine and we go through death, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if you remember, in, in uh, the Christian telling of this story. What happens when it all just becomes about zombies, about destruction, uh, and about terror-filled human beings running from mindless, heedless communities of uh, zombies that only grunt, moan, and try to eat your brains? These are the movies that we have. If you remember in Zombieland, the only solution is a double tap right in the zombie's head. To take mindless creatures and destroy them, you have to destroy the mind. Isn't that interesting? It's why talking about zombies as a metaphor for Western civilization has some merit in it. So listen to the gospel today. Jesus says, don't get drowsy. Don't get drunk. The zombies might eat your brains, is what the, our culture would tell us. What Jesus would say, maybe you'll just drift into indifference about matters that nobody can afford to be indifferent about. Let's turn to a discussion of zombie movies, zombie TV, and zombie video games from the, from the perspective of three very interesting uh, professors. That mourns in lonely exile here Until the Son of God appears So who's afraid of zombies? I'm afraid of zombies. Who wants to have your brains eaten out? Like I said, the earliest zombie movies were made in the 1920s, but they were kind of different. One zombie movie from 1932 called White Zombie was a story about this kind of handsome-looking guy who ends up being kind of creepy. He takes this beautiful blonde woman, and using uh, magic, he turns her into a zombie. And so she still has all her beauty, 
but she can't respond to him in any way. She's just a body. Now that's an interesting metaphor, isn't it, for the for the hedonism of the 20s? But one of the lines from the movie was, quote, I thought that beauty alone would satisfy, but the soul is gone. I can't bear those empty, staring eyes. So his choice of love, uh, which was just built around a nice-looking platinum blonde uh, that couldn't love him back, turns out that men's fantasies about women that are based solely on their bodies are doomed for frustration. Who could have known that? But the outbreak of zombieism is a 20th century phenomenon, according to the authors of Zombies in Western Culture, uh, a 21st century crisis. And the professors are John Vervaki, Christian Mastro Pietro, and Felipe Mishevich. And there are two of them are from the University of Toronto in Kansas, and one is from the University of Indiana, a Hoosier from, uh, from Bloomington. And they're a combination of uh, political science professors, philosophers, and psychologists trying to uh, talk about their particular disciplines through the metaphor of these zombie movies. Here's one of the things they said. In the 21st century, zombieism explodes into zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, geist is a word that means ghost. Zeit's the age. So when you say zeitgeist, you mean the spirit of the age. This is what permeates modern culture, according to these three professors. They said, over 600 zombie movies have been made since 1920, but over, well over one half of them have been in the last 10 years, the last 20 years, because this book's about 10 years old. Two great waves have lapped under the shore of America's cinema since 2000, one around 2001 and then again in 2008. Uh, 28 Days Later came out in 2002. George Romero's Dawn of the Dead was remade in 2004. The original apparently wasn't good enough. And Zombieland, which was very funny, becomes the highest grossing zombie film to date in 2009. I saw that movie. This is quickly overtaken in 2013 by Warm Bodies, didn't see it, and then by Brad Pitt's epic World War Z, which has been free on Amazon, but the zombie genre hasn't particularly attracted me, so I passed. By 2015, there were three TV series based on zombies. I checked on the internet. Right now, there are 10 that are still active. Um, and they're on Netflix, CW, and AMC. The Walking Dead's been going since 2010, and it's actually had spinoffs. The genre has enjoyed considerable success in the medium of video games also, uh, but the most highly desired one for video game players, and I'm not one, is, uh, is a video game called The Last of Us. And so zombie genre has shot through our culture, uh, you know, the thing about their discussion, what I really liked was they understand that art or attempts at art like zombie movies, some better than others, uh, is multivalent. That is, there are a variety of values you can read into it. Art can be like a mirror. Um, movies that are allegorical are movies that are very directed and have one meaning. But uh, zombie movies have been read in a variety of ways. But they're offering their view. Um, and what they say about zombie movies is that they are the result of a post-Christian worldview. Here's how they define a worldview. 
A fluid worldview is akin to a healthy and balanced ecology. Just as there is the possibility for an ecological crisis, there is also the possibility for a worldview crisis. The zombie apocalypse represents such a crisis. And so what's a worldview? A worldview is, what does it all mean? What's my part in it? What does it mean for us? It's holistic. Um, Christendom, the Christian worldview, is that we are children of God. We have this beginning, we have this end that we're going to, and the end is to be with God. And we'll all be resurrected, and love will be perfected, and we will share a communion in God that is in a kingdom to come, as Jesus says. That's a holistic view of the world, and the history of the United States has a role to play in that. Uh, world history has a role to play in it. Literature has a role to play in it, uh, has a role to play in it. It is this overarching sacred canopy um, that, that gives us meaning. I, John Arnold, know what my meaning and purpose is in that. I felt called to the priesthood. And the church agreed, and so there was an objective and a subjective nature to my call, which confirmed that I have this role in this worldview. I'm a Catholic priest. Perhaps you're married, and that's your vocation and your role. Our role is to participate in community, to try as best we can to bring virtues of faith, hope, and charity into our community, so that they lift up these basic uh, acquired virtues of justice, temperance, perseverance and courage that everybody can can enjoy uh, that it can lead or at least open us to happiness in this life but it's how as Christians we live a life that reflects the image and likeness of God does that sound familiar well that's a holistic view of the world you take away God you take away the capacity for a moral order what sense does any of that mean oh now we're in zombie land. That's where the United States is right now. And not everybody, but an increasing number of people. And so what happens in the wake of a breakdown of this holistic understanding, according to these authors, once religion does not claim the allegiance of an increasing number of people, well, you have to put something in its place because it's like ecology. You, you don't pollute your rivers. You don't destroy plant life. You don't kill every last animal. We need these things to live. We humans need a worldview to live. And so we start plugging things in. That's not the last time I'll say it. So politics becomes very important. Nazism, communism, look at what's happening in our own country, about the breakdown of pol of, of, uh, of larger identity, uh, larger uh, holistic identities of what it means to be a human being? Why is it that identity politics becomes so important? Whether it's around gender issues or sexuality issues, or um, whether it's about conservative or liberal, whatever, the, however it is people identify, they become these little holistic, attempts at holistic understandings of what my purpose and meaning in life is, and I must defend us against all comers. You know, I think what's interesting is, is that this idea of feeding on the living, that somehow um, this is a modern idea. If you go back to Dante's uh, Inferno, about 700 years old plus now, in Canto 28, he talks about Ugolino, who is 
chewing on the brains of Bishop Ruggiero. Why? Because they're fighting politically between the Gelfs and the Ghibellines in, in Pisa. Ruggiero took Ugolino, walled him into his cell with his two kids. Ugolino has to turn to cannibalism after his children die. He dies ultimately. Ruggiero dies ultimately. They go to hell where there's no mercy, only justice. And so what's Ugolino's reward in hell? He gets to eat out Bishop Ruggiero's uh, brains. Here's what Dante says as he just chews on the back of his head for eternity. I saw two shades frozen in a single hole, packed so close, one head hooded, the other one. The way the starving devour their bread, the soul above had clenched the other with his teeth, where the brain meets the nape. Well, there's kind of a Christian understanding of this same basic storyline about mindlessly chewing, but he's not mindful. He's been treated unjustly, and it's a perversion of justice, justice without mercy, but it's when you as a human being are so dehumanized, you're turned just into a consumer of things, of sex, of stuff, of other people who have ticked you off. Well, take that same basic human proclivity towards sin that is present in Dante's Inferno. Let's update it. Hey, we're in zombie land. Um, so back to the professors. They say that the zombies, the zombie genre is about a crisis of meaning. Here's how they describe zombies. You tell me from your own personal experience whether this sounds right. Zombies don't talk. They never say anything in most movies. They just, ah, want to feed on your brain. But they are communal. They run in packs. They just don't have anything in, in common except they want to eat your brains. Homeless, they never live anyplace. They just basically wander around because they come up with the word domicide. Homicide is when you kill another human being. Domicide is when you kill your home. There is no meaning or purpose to your home, so you're just wandering from place to place looking for another brain to eat, say another experience, consumerism, that's going to make you happy. Zombies eat brains because zombies have no meanings, and brains is where, you know, we generate meaning, we understand meaning, we, under, we interact with God and one another. Zombies aren't evil. They're not like, you know, uh, witches that give their soul to Satan. They're victims. Uh, it's either a plague, it's a nuclear explosion, or it's unexplained in, in Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Um, but they are this dehumanized reality uh, which is essentially uh, absolutely without connection to any larger holistic stories. Zombies are heedless, that is, they know no fear. So you stand there like in zombie land and you're double tapping away with your twin ivory-handled pistols and they just keep coming. Why? Because they don't care about life. They don't really have life. Zombies are highly contagious. You don't want to run with them because if they bite you, you're going to become one. So today, the term apocalypse is applied extemporaneously, according to our authors. Quote, it usually refers to the end of the world, of human civilization, or a range of calamities and disasters. This is a telling inaccuracy. The definition of apocalypse as a synonym for destruction only captures one axis of its biblical origins. 
The Christian apocalypse was never simply the end of the world. It was the resurrection of the body and the revelation of final truths. Just as the zombie's mug distorts the cosmos of human likeness, because zombies are always ugly, they never really look completely human. The zombie zeitgeist, remember spirit of the age, distorts the cosmos of apocalyptic revelation by offering resurrection, life after death, without rebirth, without any change. So, what do you think of what they had to say about the zombie apocalypse? Let's pull this all together in the exciting conclusion of Oral Valley Catholic, the zombie apocalypse. First Sunday of Advent, the Gospel, reading from Luke chapter 21. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise, like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. So when these signs happen, the signs of the time, he says, stand erect, get ready, because you know that all of this stuff that you take so for granted will someday go away, maybe quite soon. So he says, don't try to escape reality in, in drunkenness. Uh, don't use things to anesthetize yourself from reality. He doesn't fill it in, but if this was a zombie movie, because if you fall drunk, zombies can eat your brains. And he says, don't let the anxieties of the world overwhelm you. The fact that there are all these zombies wandering around you. I'm being a little facetious. But the point is, is don't lose your courage. Don't lose your sense of hope. Do you remember that part of the Christian apocalypse, there are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's famine, pestilence, death, and war. Think about that in terms of the sign of the time. Death. So what happens when religion becomes uh, ineffective? Nothing replaces it. Identity politics doesn't replace it. Do you remember John Paul II started talking about the culture of death? The idea that abortion solved problems or euthanasia solved problems, that, the, that killing other human beings, basically you being the zombie, that this is not a hopeful, faithful, charitable way of life. This will not bring meaning into your life. It simply gets rid of what you consider to be ineffective. The authors of the book said that religion is a meta-meaning system. It gives a bigger understanding than just what is in my best interest short term, what I like. It says there's meaning to life and other people's life and worldviews, that is, how the world is, my part in it, how we're all supposed to live, that the world of attunement that integrates cultural relevance and all of its forms, 
including zombie movies, and places all other meaning systems into a subcategory that has in the subcategory coherence and stability, like sin or distortion, whatever it is, that this, if you separate from that, you just lose your ability to make judgments. And so a spiritual death precedes um, your physical death. That sounds very much like Christianity and why you avoid sin, and sin and death are, are, are synonymous terms. Or famine. Well, think about zombies. They're starving souls. There's one movie where a zombie gets disemboweled keeps eating people, and it, they just kind of fall out of his open stomach. So what happens with starving souls and self-destruction? They said that the suicide rate, not just in Western cultures, but worldwide, is up 60% over the period of time that they, they measured. Um, he's, what happens when you have no hope? I don't know if you remember Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, where he was... Uh, trying to decide to explain why some people in Nazi death camps survived and others didn't. But he said that the key there was hope, that hope is the response to this second horseman of famine. Or how about pestilence? Uh, well, we live with pestilence right now in COVID-19. But uh, a spiritual pestilence is this pestilence and plague of bad ideas. Nazism and communism dominated how many people? Identity politics in our, in our country and uh, uh, you know, pro-choice politics. These kinds of corrupting ideas which tell us not to trust each other, not to trust the lives of others. What's it resulted in? It resulted in this huge sense of loneliness or war, when what becomes important is your political idea, your political identity. And so it's the war of all against all. In our culture, everyone can be a potential enemy. That's why you scream at people on the street. When we get detached from our institutions, as a physical form of our communal life. Um, all that's left really is power. And if all that's left in our culture isn't moral discourse, rational discourse, just power, how is it that you don't av avoid perpetual conflict? You know, uh, people like to talk about dialogue. But when you talk about dialogue and when you say, I'm not changing, but your beliefs are negotiable, you know, dialogue in itself doesn't solve problems. There has to be a shared cultural reality by which you can assess the values of our political con uh, uh, conflicts. So war, famine, pestilence, and death. Do you think the four horsemen are running through our land? Is it a time for prayer? And so what do we do? The Christian apocalypse. Here's what we do, friends, and I'm gonna challenge you. Treat Advent this year as a mini Lent. So pray, ask God to tell you how to act really within the conflicts that you anticipate in your day. Hope in God so that whatever your disappointments are, they're not ultimate in your life. Practice charity, uh, and charity is, well, give to the poor. Faith, pray to God, hope, in the world to come, 
Maybe give up eating meat on the Fridays of Advent if you are not already doing that as a form of fasting consistent with the Big Lent. In charity, care for the poor. Do something that says, I am not a zombie. I am not going to mindlessly follow the crowd feeding on other people. Wow. I really love the book. You can read it if you want. It, it was a good book. But it's a way of understanding a whole world view of what we Christians are called to. This Advent, pray, hope, live in charity. God bless you. And this has been another episode of Oral Valley Catholic. Um, if you liked it, share it, send it to your friends. And have a beautiful and prayerful and holy day.